episode discusses the book Seraph by Lily Maine, which releases on September 9th. No major spoilers are given, but a general discussion of the book is had. If that bothers you, you may consider waiting until you have read the book to listen to this episode. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to episode six of the Romantically Inclined podcast. This podcast was created with the express intent to lure my favorite authors into having conversations with me and giving me insider information. And it's working because today I am bringing you Lily Maine, author of the Monstrous series. Uh, they're I don't they're technically male male, correct? But they I guess could also be classified as queer romance, given that some of the characters are not exclusively gay. Yeah. So I just. I keep calling it MM romance, and that sounds super weird in my head. I've, ex- I've explained this on my podcast before. Things that are written down sometimes make more sense, obviously, than when you start saying them out loud. Yeah. Like weird fantasy names in romance novels. Um, anyway, so these monster romances, I read the first one last year, which is when it came out. And I immediately just binged everything that was available. And this set me down like a whole queer monster romance spiral. But anyways, I've invited Lily here to tell us about her upcoming release, Seraph, which is arguably the most monstrous monster romance I have ever read. And it comes out on Friday. I was lucky enough to get a an arc that was get, lovingly gifted to me, but was also I probably would have clawed my way to it eventually. So welcome, Lily. And why don't you tell us a little bit about your series because you know more about it than I do and can probably say it better everything that it's about sure um yeah so it's a yeah I would call it probably queer romance more than gay romance because all the characters aren't solely gay um set in a kind of post-apocalyptic wasteland after monsters came through a tear that just appeared and uh flooded the country the whole world but we've only kind of seen the US so far but I do have plans for other places um and it starts with the military capturing the soul eater who is like the scary guy that everyone's afraid of because he just goes around murdering people um and he ends up kind of falling immediately in love with one of the really useless soldiers <laughs> who they send in to capture him uh, and yeah goes from there soul leader is definitely I don't know if this is just me like a thing that I do because the first book in a series always ends up being my favorite and part of me is like maybe it's just oh this is the book that introduced me to the series but that said soul leader is definitely my favorite it's for anyone who hasn't read it if you have been following me I feel like you absolutely should have read it but it's <laughs> The ultimate grumpy sunshine. Like when yeah. the soul eater is just this horrible grump who <laughs> does not give a shit what humans think about him, does not want to explain himself, what he's doing, why he's on earth every few years, just mass murdering people. He does not care to explain. And Danny is just this, he's so bad at being a soldier and he's so cute. And he just wanted to join the military to you know have a purpose and get out of these the horrible living situation he was in and it's just so like it's basically like just an immediate falling in love on Wynn's side not not necessarily on Danny's side who like basically almost craps his pants like in, in the situation <laughs> but I absolutely love it and so Lily if you can tell from her accent does not live in America yet these books are set in America 
Yeah. And one of the funniest things is that, and 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 it's just you have to suspend your disbelief, obviously. But the characters, like, will cross America <laughs> in like a, a week. They're just like walking across America. <laughs> I remember reading and being like, I don't think this author is from America. Like they go from like Chicago to the uh, to the New York in just like a few days. It's just like, oh, interesting that they have a car. <laughs> but it's just so, did, did you know that as you were writing it that you were suspending disbelief on that? Or did you realize after the fact when someone brought it up and they were like, how are they doing this? Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely after. <laughs> I think I, it's a struggle to kind of picture how big the US is because obviously I'm from the UK, which is tiny and it doesn't take long to get anywhere. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it wasn't intentional, but I appreciate people uh, just suspending their disbelief for that, that I mean, aspect of it. If we're believing it. that they're literally, the monsters just came through a tear in the universe from their world into ours we can definitely suspend the idea of walk like walking across america in a week <laughs> I, I i don't want to read a book which is realistic in that matter you know i don't want to read a nine thousand page book because you wanted to be realistic about them trekking across america yeah so i'm totally fine with cutting that down honestly um how long so it has only been about a year since soul eater came out correct mm -hmm. and since then you've written well, now you're going to have Seraph is the sixth book in the series, right? And then you have two uh, in, a, in a separate series, the Forgotten Vows series. How are you doing this? How are you? Did you have some of these written before releasing Soul Eater? Are you just like a writing machine? No, I had a couple of scenes of Soul Eater written for a few years, um, but none of them were written in advance. Wow. Yeah, so I, I think you work a day job. So this is not even your full like you are working essentially two full time jobs, writing and then your your day job. Yeah, I think I I just kind of I'll, I'll hyper fixate when I start writing and I'll neglect everything else until it's done, which isn't the best habit, but it it's it clearly quite working. quick. Yeah. <laughs> and so you you just said you had a few scenes of Soul Eater written for a few years. How long did it take you to write the book once you sat down and committed to to getting it on paper or on computer, I guess? A few months, I think. Um, yeah, a, a few months probably took longer than the ones that came after because it, it's a lot of setting up and world building. Um, <laughs> but I, I have no idea where the idea started the first scene I wrote was when spoilers if no, anyone hasn't read them when Wynne asks Danny to show him his face when they're still in the base but I don't know where it came from it's that just was like, honestly that is one of my favorite scenes it's absolutely yeah. like and it's not even like this is a slow burn romance for those who are like although people have different definitions of slow burn. So basically like you get about 50% in before there's any hanky panky. So mm -hmm. definitely slow burn for it, a monster romance, which tend to be like hot right out of the gate, but it was hot in different ways. So yeah, like this scene was so like erotic in a sense. And, but so, I mean, it wasn't sexual. So it's yeah. very, it was very weird, but I remember reading it and just being like, holy shit, like this monster is fucking hot. And I haven't <laughs> even seen his face. Like... <laughs> <laughs> but I know that he is. So you mentioned, so was Soul Eater, you said Soul Eater was a little bit harder to write than the other ones. 
have the other books which book has been the most difficult for you to write so far I I feel like I don't know if it's getting easier as it goes or I feel like I read something where you said Seraph was a little bit difficult to to wrap around this this complex character this monster yeah Seraph is I think it is written quite differently to the others because it focuses basically entirely around two characters with like a cast of side characters. It's not a lot of action or they're not going anywhere. It's just about Seraph and how he develops and gets better. So it was, as I was writing it, I was worried that it would be boring because of that, because the books before it are very like, they're going to do something. They've got a quest that they have to complete. But this, especially because Lilac is the, like camp killer, mysterious, aloof. So everyone was like, he has to, you know, go around slaughtering everyone in his book. Like, I'll be disappointed if he doesn't. And he does a bit, but probably not as much as people might be anticipating. But I quite like that he's not, he's probably not what people expect. Mm -hmm. Same with Sarah, definitely. Um, so it, as I was writing it, I was, concerned that because the tone is so different it might not be as well received but it seems to have been so far. I think it is definitely interesting that you you took these two like violent characters in a sense. I mean we don't know much about Lilac and we know almost nothing about Seraph but you took two violent characters and yet made such a like beautiful story about them compared to like I mean like you said like you have Soul Eater which is a pretty violent book like from start to finish, there's a lot of death and murder in it, quote unquote murder. And that, yeah, that now you have actual two killers who are like falling in love and it's a, like a softer, I mean, there yeah. are, but it's a softer, quieter, like really wonderful character building story but between them. And it was kind of like, whoa, I wasn't expecting it to be this, I don't know, deep in a sense, but it really, it really was. I, I don't want to give any spoilers to Seraph, obviously, because it hasn't come out, but I think that's all compliments, not spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> and I want to talk about, so you have mentioned multiple times that your books will never have uh, babies. These monster human pairings will never procreate, you know, find some magic way to procreate. And I think that that is pretty unique in the monster, maybe not in the queer monster world, but just in the monster alien romance world in general, because I feel like breeding trope is very popular right now. And so is that something that is just a personal preference for you? Or is that just a realistic result of the world that you've created, which is a post-apocalyptic wasteland in which death is common and you don't feel like that is appropriate to bring kids into that kind of a world at this point? Yeah, it's definitely a mix. I never went into writing it thinking, I really want them to have kids and be those kinds of family units because I don't think it's necessary. Um, but at the same time, especially with Danny and Wynne, Danny is like 23, 24. I don't think he's going to be thinking about kids <laughs> for a long time. But uh, I don't think they need children I don't think any of them need it to make their romance feel complete mm -hmm. um but yeah there's definitely also an element of they are in a like 
monster infested wasteland it's probably not the best idea to start having kids <laughs> and I, I think like there are a lot of child-free romance readers who will really appreciate that they can kind of go into this and know that even though these characters so like Wynne and Danny are still very prevalent in the later books as side characters and things like that so I think it's definitely a relief for a lot of readers that they can delve into this and not have to worry about that especially like I said in the monster and alien romance world it's super popular and then also the, the lack of weddings which is also normal for a post-apocalyptic wasteland but you wouldn't believe the number of like times I'm on reddit and reading just another rant about how an HEA doesn't have to have a wedding it doesn't have to end with babies and your books kind of have both those things although there's yeah there's no form no one's wearing a wedding dress basically obviously <laughs> because they're they're all I mean I, I don't know I guess some of the characters could possibly enjoy I could see uh Eden in a wedding dress I could see him rocking that yeah he got like the, the the kilt action down I feel like he could do it um I have so many questions that I'm literally like scanning my list trying to be like what do I want to know the absolute most about if I can't get to all of these questions and so I did want so you are very engaged in your Facebook group and I want to know kind of and you do allow the readers to kind of shape your bonus stories, for instance, you'll let them vote on whose story they want to know more about and things like that. And I'm wondering how much you let your readers, maybe not even consciously, but influence where your your stories are going or the next books you write. Like, was Seraph always going to be the next book or did you not really realize how well receptive like your group and your fans would be to somebody with as many eyes <laughs> guys he has so many eyes how do you know exactly how many he has is it like 10 8 more than 10 definitely. <laughs> just the whole top bit of his head just imagine it as a wall of eyes I, but, the um, fan art makes him very hot and his personality which is very sweet but that it's just the eyes it's yeah. just the eyes <laughs> Lily. <laughs> um, but sorry, anyways, back to the uh, question. Yeah. Do, how much do you let your readers kind of guide your stories and where where they might be going? Um, not so much with the, the main series, because that's I've had a lot of that planned out in my head. Like Seraph, you meet kind of straight away. Danny sees him at the military base. So I always knew where his story would go um but I like giving the group and readers kind of because the shorts are just like little bonus stories where I'm just forcing them to read more <laughs> more about my characters yeah sure forcing them they're not forcing <laughs> you at all to continue creating content for those who don't so Lily on her website writes short stories following the conclusion of her the books about characters and so she just had one and I won't say any characters names or anything like that but where she they role play like Lord of the Rings basically like Legolas and, and stuff like that so just and there's like a sex toy situation and where they end up in a sex toy shop and so I I know a lot of authors will put out bonus content but I've never seen an author put out as much bonus content as Lily and as absolutely batshit insane amazing sexy <laughs> 
bonus content as Lily. She's really just going for it. And the stories are absolutely amazing. So if you want to check out her website for those. A lot of people don't know. They read your books and they still don't really know that you have all this bonus content. I've directed quite a few people there. Oh, really? They tell me they read Soul Eater. I'm like, but did you read the bonus content for it? And like, what? <sighs> um, are we getting Roller Skate Man? Yeah. <laughs> Yes, we are. He So he was just, because I think quite a lot of people don't know about him. But so someone posted in the Facebook group about uh, a sex shop. I can't remember, like, it's like, imagine if they all went to a sex shop, what would happen? And someone commented saying, I can imagine Eden just sticking purple dildos everywhere he went in the waist. So I wrote like a tiny short story about a raider who goes into a roller rink and comes across a suction cup purple dildo in the middle of the rink and people really liked him <laughs> even though that was all it was so um then I started thinking about him and I was like well I'd quite like like a just like a monster fucker who's roaming the waist with basically like a bingo card ticking everyone off like all the different kinds of monsters he can Oh my god! Become acquainted with. I want this so bad. But well, but he has he has evolved now more. He's like a proper part of the story now. His book will be after cats. Oh my god! The next full length novel. There'll be a novella before that. Um, and he he plays a massive part in the story now because it's kind of starting to wind down. Like where I imagined this big group of characters going with. Seraph is kind of the start of where they're going to end up together. But I have ideas for other groups of people as well. Okay. It's sad to hear that, like, you know, that it it does come to a natural conclusion for, like, one group. It's like, how how much can you keep writing about this one group? And the group gets bigger and bigger, and it gets more and more complicated to keep everybody in the story and... So yeah. I like that it, it's going to spin spin off a little bit, which is, I, I think, wonderful. Because you can always return to the, the previous books, but there needs to be more, like, continuing on to bigger and not greater, because, again, Soul Eater is my favorite book still, but bigger things for all these other characters. And I, so, again, I'm going to plug Willie's group, because she answers so many fan questions, but, like, her, your fans are absolutely just incredible with the information that they want to know like I love when you opened up your Q&A and people could ask whatever they wanted and one question really stuck with me where somebody wanted to know if they went to a bakery like what would they get at the bakery or something I was like what a very specific question and you were just like well they don't need to eat so like probably I think it was about when you were like probably not like why like he wouldn't order anything because he doesn't eat but I just love that that person just wanted to know so badly what they would get if they went to a bakery. It was very <laughs> specific. And it, that was like months ago and it's just stuck in my head. But now I'm just going to start asking all authors, like what would so-and-so get if they went to a bakery? It's such a telling thing about a personality. What would it you is. get if you went to a bakery? Uh, an eclair, I think. Okay, I actually didn't expect that. Really? I don't know why. Yeah, I kind of thought you'd go with just like a I don't know, like a, a scone or a muffin is kind of like the vibe. I was, I got a breakfast vibe from you. 
<laughs> Maybe just because it's morning. I don't know. I didn't get. I didn't go dessert with you. I don't know what I. Would oh no! Do. Yeah, always something with chocolate on it. I think. Probably go cinnamon roll. Oh yeah, that's. I'm a dessert choice. person when I go to a bakery. Yeah. Um, I do want to know. Are, okay. So again, uh, Seraph releases September 9th. Mm-hmm. And is it your longest book yet? Yeah, only slightly longer than Moth. Okay, so uh, they're just, your books are getting longer. Yeah. Uh, you know, Soul Eater <laughs> on my shelf, and it's on my shelf behind me, is a, ra- a rather thin book. And then I got Moth, and I was like, what the fuck? Like, it's like <laughs> four times longer than Soul Eater when you have them side by side on the shelf. And is that just a natural product of the world developing, or is that just you having so much now like with soul eaters your first book and now you're you maybe have like more confidence in that your readers will read these longer and longer stories because they're desperate for any word that you put out (laughs) yeah I think it's definitely being more confident in telling more of the story I think um I don't know if they're starting to get too long I don't know never (laughs) But I probably, I mean, I I don't think I would have made Soul Eater longer. I think it's the right length. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any there's any filler in your books that I've come across. Like I know with uh some some authors who write extremely long slow burns who I won't name, uh, but people will be like, okay, I feel like you could maybe cut out like a hundred pages and the book would still be totally readable and fine. But with your books, I don't feel like there is any bit that you could cut out and still, and have the same amount of understanding of the characters and the world around them. So I think they are the perfect length. Yeah. I, I think, Double them and we'd still read them. Yeah. <laughs> Sarah, I think, I, I'm not sure at what point they have sex for the first time, but it felt like a lot longer I think it was around 70, full full sex was maybe in the 70s, I thought. It was long, it was a while. I always text my friend Shayna when we're reading them. And so I had to wait for her though, because she's on your ARC team, but she got the book a little bit after I did. And so she was just like, does it end happy? Tell me. And I was like, of course it ends happy. And she was like, okay, well, don't tell me anything. Then she made your ARC team. And then she just live texted me the entire time that she was reading it just like everything and so I do think it was it was definitely a a very slow burn but for good for good reason because uh you I mean it's not this isn't a spoiler for anybody who has read the books but Seraph spends a good he's spent most of his life in a cage at this point and I think that you did a real you balanced it really nicely between here is somebody who is essentially a hostage the well, mm-hmm. hostage is probably he's not being held hostage but he's for his own safety and the safety of those around him is being held captive in a, in a, a cage with glass and so you know you had to wait until it was right for that yeah. to connect in that way that was a big part of like that was kind of my worry is making sure it didn't seem icky like when they first do anything sexual because obviously he is in a cage and other, you know, other reasons that would probably be spoilers if mm-hmm. we talked about them. But um, hopefully it, everything that needs to be established for consent, full consent from them both is, I think it is. But I think any earlier than that in the story, it, it, it wouldn't have worked. 
Mm-hmm. And they, it was more, it's more to do with Lilac kind of, he doesn't think of him that way, does he, for a long time until things happen. <laughs> and then he's suddenly like, oh, okay. <laughs> Lilac is such a, uh, the glimpses we had of him in previous books and then were great. But then, I mean, I never expected him to be the kind of character he is in Sarah. And I think he just created, I mean, again, Soul Eater is my favorite book, but I think Lilac might be one of my favorite characters. He's just, there's so much going on inside him, inside his brain. And just, it was really captivating to get to know him. And he felt very, very real. And the conflict in his head and everything like that, I was, I was, that's why I thought the book's length is perfectly fine because you needed all that time. Like they needed that time as a couple, but they each individually needed that time as as characters themselves. And so um, I'm going to ask kind of a mean question. Which character is your favorite? <laughs> I always want to know. And I feel like authors can say everybody, but there's always somebody for some reason I feel like is not their it can be their favorite for any any reason but I'm, I'm curious if it's because they were the easiest to write most difficult to write or I don't know I think in terms of uh like a full well-rounded character probably Seraph mm. because but that might just be because I've just been writing about him but I think in terms of overall it has to be win because He's just a joke to me. <laughs> Everyone's so mean to him on the Facebook group because they love him. But the amount of teasing win that goes on and the little stories that other people have created about him and the quotes and miscommunications they've assigned him are just absolutely hilarious. That's why he's my favorite. He's so grumpy and he doesn't change really, except yeah. for Amy, but he hates everybody. Yeah. He tries so hard to still be terrifying, but Danny is just ruining that. <laughs> yeah, that, that's one of the best parts in, in Sarah and all the books. Is, yeah, like people meet when they're terrified of him, and then Danny will just walk up and be like, eh, like, hello, love, hello, my sweet, like all these things. And he's just like, loves Danny so fucking much that he can't. He can't. Yeah, exactly. He can't pretend in front of Danny, like, he can't be distant with him in front of people because he's just too obsessed with him <laughs> and I love that you and I think the other books you've always done an epilogue in the monster's point of view mm-hmm. but for Soul Eater you had a whole book for when you created a whole novella that's published in paperback for him and I loved getting to see his point of view and how he interpreted you know meeting Danny for the first time how he interpreted all the, all these things and from that novella, one of the group's favorite side characters was created. Now, <laughs> the, the character who is like dragged into the monster world to test its safety for Danny. And so I know the fans really want that character, that confused soldier, to get his <laughs> uh, his happily ever after too. And I just uh, is is that a, something a bonus story a novella that people might get one day? This adorable confused soldier who's dragged bodily into the monster wasteland yeah he's he's getting a novella i've started it <laughs> i started it the other day actually he needs yeah. it. he absolutely needs it he does um, i do want to so we'll, we'll be wrapping up in just a few minutes 
But I want to explain to people what makes these books so special. It's kind of it's kind of weird. It's the same thing that I have with a lot of books that I'm super into lately, where there is, it's a dark romance. I mean, there's a lot of murder and mayhem and there's torture and there's all these horrible things that happen because it is a post-apocalyptic wasteland. And yet the stories, like the, the relationships between the characters aren't dark. That's like, they're they're filled with love they're filled there's some misunderstandings and there are some you know some issues but for the most you know in a lot of dark romance the darkness comes from within the relationship you know you have a cruel character who's kidnapping a a sweet character or or things like that but in these you've created dark romance that is not I mean it's just still so (laughs) sweet and it's very I try to explain to people why I love it so much and why I'm recommending it I'm just like, no, like the relationships are sweet and wholesome in a sense, which is super strange in this like wasteland of a world you've created where horrible things happen every day. And yet these people are meeting these monsters and giving them a chance and and falling for them. And they're like, I'm just, it's just so, I can't even put it into words how absolutely wonderful it is to read something dark that is also makes you feel so happy. Yeah, it is a weird mix. And so did you set out to kind of create that juxtaposition in a way? Or did it just, that's just how Soul Eater came out, that you have this beautiful relationship between these two people and yet they're surrounded by all this darkness constantly? Yeah, it was, I mean, yeah, the the setting kind of (laughs) definitely lends itself to horrible things happening all the time but it yeah I I'm not interested personally in kind of forcing conflict between the two love interests I think it's nicer in specifically in the setting I've created that it's kind of like the one nice thing that they have especially Danny he has literally nothing else and then his happiness comes from kind of the most unexpected place. And even in such a horrible world, they manage to make each other happy. Mm. I think that's, yeah, that's what I like about that's all of true. them. And all, I think I'm kind of guilty of really torturing my characters with like their backstories and they've all had horrible things done to them, but that's what makes it, kind of more satisfying I think when they find their person and kind of end up finding some happiness yeah that that is true they all have they you don't need to put horrible things happening to them on page because or not all the time because they've had these horrible things already happening to them so but we we, so we get that we get that trauma but we get to we don't have to experience it necessarily in the moment except for obviously in Seraph's case, because he's carried with us through through multiple books, which makes his happily ever after even better because we've seen him suffer for so long. And now he finally has somebody who can love him for, yeah. for the many eyed monster that he is. Okay, now <laughs> we are truly running out of time. So I just want to thank Lily for joining me in the middle of her work day. Don't tell her boss. And... <laughs> Uh, if you are interested in learning more about these books, you can check her out at her website, lilymain.com. 
follow her on Instagram where I forced her to come because I wanted to be able to tag her in all my reviews or join her Facebook group, Lily's Monster Group. And yeah, you absolutely need to read these. Like I have posted about them a thousand times. Why are you sleeping on this? I don't understand (laughs) why you have not read Soul Eater yet. Literally no one has come back to me and told me they didn't like it. (laughs) Oh, that's good. (laughs) Literally somebody, the only complaint I ever got was somebody said, oh, I didn't realize it was going to be a slow burn. I loved it, but I didn't realize it was going to be a slow burn. So I'm just putting it out there now that they... This is not like a monster, quote unquote, fucking book, which I adore, you know, where you just pop in and there's tentacles everywhere and everyone's fucking. No, this is a beautiful, beautiful story that happens to be between a human and a monster, all the books. And there's a natural progression of the relationship, which you don't get in a lot of monster books. And that's why this is, I feel so special. Next week, Michaela and I are going to be talking about potato shifter romances. So continuing on. with the monster thing, uh, where the main character's name is Frenchie and he is literally a potato. And there's cannibalism. Okay. (laughs) Join us next week. And thank you again, Lily.